It's hard to pass by moments like this without recognizing just the presence of the Lord in the room. Because I don't think anybody stands in this place like, man, I'm, I'm, I wish I'd have stayed home. There's nothing more beautiful than just to listen to the people of God sing the praises of God. Because it's what we're made for. We are made to glorify Him. That is, that is what he, he started this whole thing with, is us just to walk with Him in the garden and glorify Him. And to be able to gather together as the people of God and lift Him up. What a what a precious, incredible, magnificent gift that we have all been able to experience tonight. And I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful to be part of this church. I'm grateful that we get to do this together. Two churches in one location gathered together. Pastor Jason was supposed to be here. He, he is sick tonight, uh, so pray for him. He, he's not feeling well. And I talked to, talked to him on the way here, and um, we talked about, you go ahead, he said, you go ahead and host and um, introduce our, our speaker tonight, our pastor for tonight. Um, and I in, instantly got nervous. Um, because I don't, I don't know how to introduce him with, um, with the magnitude that it, that it needs. Um, and I could be up here for a long time in the gratitude that I have for him and his leadership, but just to sum it all up for us tonight, none of us would be here without his leadership or obedience. Yeah. We would not have this campus or location. We would not have our Jasper campus or location. We would not have churches planted in Kenya. We would not have churches that we have supported and sent out. We would not have thousands of people that have trusted Jesus without his leadership and obedience. And I am so grateful that he trusted that he accepted the call that the Lord had him to plant Westridge Church 25 years ago. Incredible. So, I want you, as he walks up here, I want you to give him the most honoring round of applause that a church could give a pastor. I introduce, introduce to you tonight, Pastor Brian Beloy. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. You can be seated. Um, and I so wish Jason were here tonight uh, because if he were here, and I don't know if he's able to watch online right now, he's watching online. Hey, Jason. Um, he's sick, but I cannot tell uh, you how, just how proud I am of Jason and Lindsay. Um, and, and I don't know how much all of you know about the history of this church, but quite honestly, this church just shouldn't even be here. 
Um, but God just, through his grace and mercy, uh, stepped in and uh, not only planted this church, but rescued it. And Jason and Lindsay and, and, and Chad and also Thad, who have been here through so much, have just have led this so well, and I stand up here really, I'm seriously, I'm in awe tonight of what God has done here in Canton, Georgia, and in Jasper, Georgia, and so all said and done, to God be the glory, right? Yeah. But I do, I, I, Amy and I, my wife Amy's right down here, uh, we have nothing but just so much love for Jason and Lindsay and so much respect for their leadership and so proud of them, and uh, Lindsay, you're a phenomenal leader, and I'm so glad that you're part of this church, and Telling, what, telling people what to do around here. So it's just good. Um, such a great leader. Um, I woke up this morning with a sinus infection. And so the crazy thing about that is usually when I get one of those, I'm down for the count for days. But I had a, I had a, a doctor's appointment already on the schedule. So I went to the doctor, I got z pack steroids. And so tonight... Um, it's one of those nights where I, God literally just said, you're, you're going to have to rely on actually what you're preaching about tonight um, to make it through this. So um, I'm, I'm counting on the z pack the steroid, and the Holy Spirit. And, and really, all I need is the last one. But if I say anything crazy tonight, it's, it's, it's all the steroids, okay? So um, with that said, let's go ahead and pray. Father, I just thank, I thank you for this church. The story that you have been writing in the history of this church for nearly 20 years, is just unbelievable. And the impact that this church has had, it just blows me away. And I'm just so glad to be here tonight and so proud of Jason and Lindsay and Chad and his family and Thad and just the others who've, who've been here through so many years and through so many things. Lord, um, we really do just wanna give you all the honor and glory tonight. We, we shout to the Lord, truly do. And we say thank you for this church and the impact it's having and what you're doing uh, here in this part of Georgia. We love you tonight. And would you be with me as I preach in Jesus' name? Amen. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to the book of John. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there's gonna be a lot of verses on the screen. I'm a big outline guy, so my, this poor team here had to endure writing, putting up, making a lot of slides this week. But um, I wanna start by just reading a passage of scripture that um, we used about 25 years ago, really, to, to start Westridge Church. And it's out of John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus is preaching uh, speaking, I should say. And he says this, he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And I love this. Jesus says, I've come so that we would have life and that we wouldn't just have life, but that we would have abundant life. We would have abundant life. Now that sounds really good, doesn't it? You may, you may not even really even know what Jesus is talking about right here, right? But it, doesn't it sound appealing? Abundant life that can only come from Jesus. I mean, how many of you want abundant life? that can only come from Jesus Christ tonight. I mean, I think we all do, even if we don't even know exactly what that means, it's like, I, I want that, I want that. But here's the challenge that we all find ourselves in. Jesus says, while I came to bring you life and bring you life more abundant, your enemy, Satan, has a completely different goal in mind for you tonight, all right? He's got, he's got his own plan. He's out to suck the life out of you. Matter of fact, Jesus says he wants to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. And the truth is we live amidst an ongoing spiritual battle that is being waged over our lives and over our family all the time, 24-7. It's always going on. And as a result of Satan's attacks and our own sinful flesh and the fact that we are temporarily occupying this planet called Earth, 
we way too often find ourselves losing in this spiritual battle, and we don't experience the spiritual life that Jesus said, I've come to bring. And as a result, there's so many moments in our lives where we find ourselves just beaten down and spiritually barren and just dry. There are times where you just feel powerless and, and maybe just like you're going through the motions or, or maybe you're in a season like, like, like tonight. Maybe t- you're in a season tonight and you're just like, I don't even know how to get out of this. Like, I love the songs that we just sang. I want my heart so desperately to just feel it like everyone around me seems to be feeling it, but I don't know how to shake it. And you're like, what's the problem? And here's the deal. For some of you, it's not a lack of effort. I mean, you're doing everything you've been taught to do. It's not a lack of knowledge. You know lots of scripture. You, you have tried to apply it. Maybe it, it's not a lack of desire. You, you want to grow. You want to be intimate with God. And it's certainly not a lack of power because we know that we've been given everything that we need to, Christ, to live the Christian life victoriously the moment we put our faith and trust in Jesus. So what's the issue? What's the issue? Why aren't we experiencing the abundant life that Jesus is talking about? Why do we have so many moments where we just feel just spiritually lifeless and empty? Well, the problem doesn't lie in the source of our strength. Our problem lies in understanding what it takes to connect to that source. Um, In the book of John, in chapter 15, I want to set the stage for what I'm about to talk about tonight. Jesus is sitting around a table with his disciples in what would be known as the Last Supper. And he makes this huge announcement to his disciples that totally catches them off guard. He tells them that he's going to be leaving them. He's actually going to be leaving the earth. And that statement creates all kinds of questions. It stirs up all kinds of anxiety inside of these men. And because up until this point, the disciples were totally dependent upon the strength and the security of Jesus's presence. They were with him 24 seven. And all of that security was found in being with him physically. The thought now of living life without his physical presence was almost more than they could handle. And so we know that their hearts were troubled because Jesus is saying, listen, as he's talking about going, he said, I'm gonna ask the Father. I'm gonna ask the Father, John 14, 16, and he will give you another helper who will be with you forever. In other words, Jesus says, listen, I'm gonna send someone else in my place who is going to help you. And whoever believes in me and yet relies on him is not only gonna do the works that we've been doing together, but guess what? You're actually gonna do greater works than what you've been doing. Now, you talk about creating a moment of confusion. You talk about creating some questions. I mean, how in the world were the disciples going to make it in a culture that was already hostile? The hostility was already there towards those that that claimed to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And how would they ever do greater things in this world than when Jesus was actually with them? I mean, it didn't even make sense to them. So we get into chapter 15 and Jesus begins to lay it out for them. And he gives them this picture of how this whole thing is going to work once he's gone. He shows them how to actually experience the abundant life that he had for them, even when he was physically gone. We're going to pick up chapter 15 and verse one. It says, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you 
unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Now, are there any gardeners out here in the audience tonight? Okay, you're gonna love this. All right, Jesus says this, I'm the vine. My father, he's the vine dresser. And you, speaking to his disciples, but also speaking to all of us tonight, he says, you are the branches. In other words, we've been joined together, but we're very different. The thing that connects us is, is what comes from the vine and nourishes the branch. It's, it's the tree sap. The sap flows through the vine and into the branch. The branch actually draws its life from the vine. Now, what has Jesus promised his followers? He's promised now a helper, a Holy Spirit. We, are, we draw our life from the Holy Spirit as we stay connected to Jesus Christ. And the word that Jesus uses here in this passage to, to describe that connection is the word abide. The word abide actually means this. Abide means to remain, to dwell, or to stay. To stay or to dwell. Warren Wearsby says this about abide. He says, to abide means to keep in fellowship with Christ so that his life can work in and through us to produce fruit. So Jesus says this, he says, if you want to really experience the life that I have for you, that abundant life that I've come to give you, if you wanna get out of this barren, dry, thirsty state that you're living in, here's what you gotta do. Stay close to me. Stay connected to me. Draw your life from me. Abide in me now. How can we do that? How can we know that we're actually abiding in Christ? What are, what are some of the characteristics of a life that actually abides? Well, Jesus begins to lay it out for us. And here's what he says. When you are abiding in Jesus, you're going to bear spiritual fruit. That's what's gonna happen in your life. Verse five, let's go back to it. He says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Now, according to Jesus, our job as branches is to stay so connected to the vine that the Holy Spirit can not just fill us, but he begins to overflow out of our lives. When the Holy Spirit is flowing out of our lives, Jesus says the result is gonna be fruit. Now, don't miss what I'm about to say next. As we abide in Jesus, our, our role is to bear fruit, not to produce fruit. In other words, fruit happens. As you hang out with Jesus, the natural byproduct of that relationship is going to be fruit. Now notice that Jesus, he never calls us to be fruit producers. He never calls us to be fruit inspectors, by the way. In other words, it's not on us to create and, and generate spiritual fruit in our lives. I can't and neither can you. So what does this fruit actually look like? Well, in Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23, the apostle Paul talks about this spiritual fruit. And he says, here's what it is. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he says, and against, against such things, there is no law. In other words, no one would ever make a law to prohibit such behavior. So if you're bearing spiritual fruit in your life, your life is going to reflect the life of Jesus. It's gonna reflect his attitudes and his actions, his character and his, and his conduct. You're going to experience the life, the abundant life that Jesus came to bring you, the life that he wants you to experience. Now, in his book, years ago, I read this book uh, by Charles Stanley. I love this book. It was, it was like Holy Spirit 101 to me. It's called The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life. And in this book, he talks about just the practical understanding of how these words would play out in our lives. He says, when you, are, when you are bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you're gonna have a love for those that do not love in return. 
You're gonna have a joy in the midst of painful circumstances. You're gonna have peace when something that you are counting on doesn't come through. You're gonna have patience when things aren't going fast enough for you. You're gonna have kindness towards those that treat you unkindly. You're gonna have goodness towards those that have been intentionally insensitive to you. You're gonna have faithfulness when friends have proved unfaithful. You're gonna have gentleness towards those who have handled you roughly, and you're gonna experience self-control in the midst of intense temptations. Doesn't that sound good? I would love to be that kind of fruit bearer. When you abide in Jesus, that is the fruit that the Holy Spirit will begin to produce in your life. Now, people that abide in Jesus, you just need to know, they're not perfect people. They're not perfect. They, they don't live in a spiritual cocoon, isolated from the rest of the world going on around them. They have occasional mess-ups and blow-ups just like everyone else. They still live with temporary bouts of temptation and sin. But here's what sets them apart from everyone else. It's their response. It's their response. When, when, when circumstances take a spirit-filled abider down for the count, they, they have some downtime, but they don't stay down there for very long. When someone who abides in the spirit is, do, is done wrong, they experience hurt, they experience frustration just like everyone else, but they don't live in a world of revenge and bitterness. They're able to look at this crazy world that we live in through, through different eyes because Jesus Christ is living his life out through them, through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through what the Holy Spirit is producing in them, that spiritual fruit. So a life that abides is gonna bear fruit. But here's another way that you can know that we are abiding in Christ. You're gonna experience the Father's lifting up and pruning. Now listen to this now, verse two, let's read it again. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Listen, God's goal for every Christian is not just to bear fruit, but to increase in bearing fruit. There's actually a process that happens here, okay? It, it, we're, it, it's, it's, it's a progress. We go from no fruit to some fruit to more fruit to much fruit to remaining fruit. Why? Because God wants you to live a fruitful, productive life for the good, for the good of others and all for his glory. Now, look at verse two again. If you have a Bible, I want you to look at verse two again. And I wanted to find a word and a term. When Jesus uses the term every branch, he is referring to Christians because Jesus says that they are branches in him. Now, why are you stopping to, 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 to lay this out? It's important to remember who Jesus is talking about. Otherwise, you'll misinterpret what he's about to say next. The Greek word here, takes away, carries with it this idea that branches in a vineyard or a garden oftentimes will get heavy and will begin to feel the weight of the heaviness and begin to sag and touch the ground. That could be burdens that are just falling on this tree. It could just be the, the weight of the world that's just crushing them down. So what does God do? The gardener takes them away from the ground by lifting them up. How does he do that? Sometimes by the word of God, sometimes through corporate worship like we just experienced. I mean, how many of you just felt lifted up a moment ago as we were corporately worshiping? That was powerful. That was powerful. Sometimes it just through friendships, by being in a group, you come away from your group and you're like, I needed that tonight. I don't, know if I, and I don't know if I gave anything to that group, but they lifted me up. But also God prunes branches so that they'll bear fruit. How does he do that? Sometimes God will allow trials and challenges to come into our lives to help us shake off or to get rid of anything that's hindering us from growing in our faith or keeping us from reaching our full, full potential. Now, 
I know it's hard not to think of pruning in negative terms because sometimes pruning is painful. But, but sometimes God will prune away the good things in our lives so that we have room to experience the best things. And Jesus says that one of the, one of the ways that God prune, one of his pruning agents, he talks about this in verse three, is his word. He says in verse three, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. In other words, the word of God has the power to convict us and cleanse us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, verse six is powerful and it's important. Look at verse six. It says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Now, does that mean... Does that mean that these branches lose their relationship with the vine and are thrown into literal fire? No. In other words, is Jesus saying that those who don't abide lose their salvation and are cast into hell? That's not what's happening here. Remember, these are branches that are in him. These are branches that belong to the vine Jesus. And we know that we are eternally secure in Jesus. In other words, once you are saved, you cannot lose your salvation. But here's what Jesus is saying. He says, if you stay disconnected from the vine for too long, don't be surprised if you don't start experiencing God's discipline in your life. Don't be surprised when you see your spiritual life begin to wither. Getting burned here is a reference to a loss of fellowship with Jesus, of a loss of rewards with God. It's a life that becomes barren and dry and purposeless. So what do I do when I find myself in a place like this? where all of a sudden my life is spiritually dry and it's my fault. Here's what you do. You repent and you come back. You change your mind, which is what repentance means, and you come back to the Father. James chapter four, verse eight says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. I love that. So a life that abides is, is bearing fruit. It's going to experience the Father's lifting up and sometimes pruning. But here's what, John, here's what Jesus says. We're also gonna experience answered prayer. Look at verse seven. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, I'm gonna explain how this works. If we stay closely connected to Jesus, if I'm staying closely connected to Jesus and I'm, I'm not just reading and hearing his word, but I am meditating on it. I'm internalizing it. I'm letting it shape my life. I'm, I'm obeying it then Jesus says, my prayers are gonna be answered. Why? Because when I abide in Jesus, I allow his words to abide in me. And when that happens, I begin to align my will with his will. And then when that happens, I begin to pray his will. I am praying the things that he wants me to pray. And that is powerful. That's powerful because prayer is how God gets things done in this world. You may be sitting at a crossroads in your life right now with no answers for what to do next. Maybe you're in a season of waiting. You just feel like you're stuck. Maybe you have lost your vision for the future or you just, you just feel like you're at a dead end. I love what author Mark Batterson says. He says, our biggest problems are only solved in the presence of God. God ideas are revealed in the presence of God. Prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. When we sit in God's presence, meditating on his word, the Holy Spirit then begins to reveal things to us that God wants us to know. He will give us God ideas for our lives, for our families and our futures. And as he does that, we begin to pray those things. And when we pray according to his will, he begins to answer those things. But it all is found in abiding so here's what we're doing as we're abiding. We're bearing fruit. We're being lifted up and pruned. We're seeing prayers answered, but we're also gonna experiencing, we're gonna experience 
a love for Christ and a love for others. Look at verse nine. As the Father has loved me, Jesus said, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Here's the command that Jesus is is throwing in front of us tonight. Abide in my love. How do we do that? Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. In other words, love for Jesus will result in obedience, and obedience produces a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus says in verse 10, that he wants us to experience and enjoy the same kind of intimate, loving relationship with him that he has with his own father. And he says, listen, the key, the key to my own intimacy, Jesus is saying, is that is, is, is my obedience to my father. My obedience to my father's commands. Now, next Jesus goes back to something that he said to his disciples back in John chapter 13, verse 34 to remind them and then to remind us about a very specific command that he's referring to. Look at verse 12. He says, this is my commandment. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Now, I wanna ask you a question. Do you ever feel, as you read the words of Jesus, that love is really a big deal to God? I mean, do you ever just go, you know, I think this love thing is, 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 there's something to it, right? I mean, you should because he talks about it over and over and over again. The love that Jesus is referring to here is more than emotions. It's more than feelings and personal preferences. This is a decision. Jesus is talking about a decision. It's about choosing to love people as Jesus loves us to compassionately, responsibly, and sacrificially sacrificially see the well-being of another person. In other words, you can love someone that you may not necessarily like because love is not dependent on your feelings. That's why Jesus can look at us and go, love your enemies. I think the greatest challenge that Christians have faced over the past few years has been, how do I love people that I just passionately disagree with? How do I love people who call themselves Christians who vote differently than me. I struggle with that. I mean, I'm not, people do, right? How how do I love people that don't share all my views on racial matters or matters concerning COVID or matters concerning immigration or matters concerning gay rights or transgender issues and so on and so on? Here's how so many professed Christians have responded over the last few years. Anger and hatred and bitterness and rage, and attack, and then finally cancel. And yet, here's what our master, our savior, our teacher, our redeemer, our king commands us to do. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I loved you. I mean, you just can't even argue with that. He actually says in verse eight, this is how I will know that you are my disciples. This is how, we, this is how I will know that we're in fellowship. This is how I know that you are rolling with me. This is how I will know that you are tight with me, that, that you're in step with me, that you follow my commands, that you love others as much as I love you. Not that you like everyone, but that you love them. Now, does that mean that I have to welcome people back into my life that have hurt me or people that continue to be a challenge for me? No. There are people in my life, honestly, that I have to hold out here. Some of it's for my own safety, but others, I mean, just for my own emotional well-being. But I still love them dearly. I would fight for them. But Jesus says, love one another as I've loved you. And you know what? I'm gonna be honest. That's a tall order, isn't it? How do we do that? How do we do that in this crazy world that we live in right now? We abide. That's it. We abide. We stay connected to the vine. 
and we allow Jesus, we allow the spirit to flow from his life to ours. So here's what we're doing. We're bearing fruit. We're being lifted up and pruned. We're seeing prayers answered. Our love for God and for others is deepening as we walk in obedience. But here's another result of abiding, and you're gonna like this. We're gonna experience joy. Look at verse 11. These things Jesus says, I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus says, my goal for telling you all of this, my goal for teaching you all of this is so that you will be full of joy. What is joy? What's the joy that Jesus is talking about here? I love how Tony Evans defines this. He says, joy is internal stability in spite of external circumstances because of the knowledge that God is in control. I love that. Joy is internal stability in spite of external circumstances because of the knowledge that God is in control. He's sovereign. Remember, remember what's happening at this moment. Jesus has just told his disciples that he is leaving them, that they cannot go with them. So Jesus is saying to them, here's how you can have internal stability when everything around you feels like it's falling apart. Stay close to me. Abide in me. And he says, as you do that, I will fill you with joy. Now notice Jesus offers them some of his own joy. I love that. In other words, if your joy container is empty, Jesus says, come borrow some of mine. You can borrow some of mine. And then finally, here's, here's how we can know we're abiding. He says, you're gonna experience friendship. We're gonna, be, we're gonna be friends. You're gonna experience friendship with Jesus. Look at verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for all that I've heard from my father I have made known to you. Jesus says there's a special distinction for those who choose to abide in me. He says, they're my friends. I don't call you servants, I call you friends. Now here's the benefit of, of, of the friendship that Jesus is talking about here tonight. He says, I will tell you everything that the Father has shared with me. In other words, when you are a friend of Jesus, you become an insider. Do you like being an insider? You like having the inside scoops on things? You get, you, you get inside scoops that outsiders and non-abiders don't get. Now, I'll tell you something about myself real quick. I grew up um, about a mile outside of Detroit. And um, my brother Kevin and I used to wait every single day. He's four years younger than me. We used to wait every single day for the Detroit news to be delivered to our house. This is back in the day when, when, when guys, girls on bikes used to drive past your house and whip a paper at your door. Anybody remember those days, okay? All right, there's a few of you out there. And we would literally wait for the paper to come. Why? The sports section. And we would, we would fight over the sports section. We both have this deep love for Detroit sports. Trust me, it's painful. Where do we get all of our Detroit sports news today? Off an app. But there's a catch. The latest and best articles can only be read by insiders. In other words, you have to subscribe to the app for $9.99, $9.99 a year. And for years, my brother would have it, and I wouldn't. I just didn't want to pay it. He have, and it was irritating because he would, he'd call me and go, hey, did you read that article? I'm like, no, I'm not an insider. For years, he had all of the inside scoops. And then last year, he goes, my wife goes, why don't you? Do it's $10. Just get it. And so now we're both insiders. Listen, when you stay close to Jesus and abide him, you become an insider and you get all of the best information that you will ever need for every issue of life. It comes right on time and it's right when you need it. 
So think about this. When we choose to abide in Christ, we bear fruit. We get lifted up. Sometimes we get pruned for our good, for God's glory. We, we experience answered prayer. Our love for God just will continue to deepen as we walk in obedience. We're gonna experience full joy. Jesus looks at us and he says, you're my friend. You're an insider. However, here's a question. What can we expect when we are not abiding in Jesus? Here's what, let's go back to verse five for a moment. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I decided for the sake of tonight to look up the definition of nothing in the Oxford Dictionary. Here's what it says. Not a single thing. That's the definition of nothing. Here's the truth. A branch that's disconnected from the vine is useless. It produces nothing. And ultimately what happens is it withers up and it faces the harsh reality of losing fellowship and intimacy and blessings and the rewards of staying close to Jesus. Listen, you cannot avoid, you cannot avoid Jesus all week long and then come to church for an hour on Thursday night or Sunday and expect all of the benefits that those who abide get every single day. It just doesn't work like that. And that is why some of you tonight are feeling lifeless and feeling barren and feeling dry and maybe even useless because you are trying to do life apart from Jesus. You are trying to live the Christian life apart from Jesus. So how can we make sure that we are abiding? I'm gonna give you two things and I want you to write these down. First of all, total dependence. Learning to abide in Christ begins when we are absolutely and thoroughly convinced that we can do nothing apart from him. Total dependence. You cannot be totally dependent on Jesus until you get to the place where you are thoroughly convinced that you can do nothing apart from him. Until that truth completely grips the core of who we are, we'll never experience the full-blown power of the Holy Spirit in our lives because we'll always be trying to work life out in our own strength, in our own power, in our own wits. Listen, abiding in Jesus is not a checklist. It's not something where you wake up in the morning and go, read my Bible, prayed, uh, you know, did a little... I fasted till 12. I mean, it's, it's not a checklist like that. It's a way of life. It's a lifestyle. It's a state of being. It's a constant state of connection and total dependence. And here's the second thing, total surrender. Dependence and surrender go hand in hand because we can't fully surrender our life to God until we're fully convinced that we can't live, we cannot live effectively and powerfully and joyfully apart from intimacy and fellowship with Jesus. Now, I wanna tell you, my default is self-sufficiency. Why? Because of pride. I can be a prideful dude. And God has a very loving and sometimes very painful way over the years of bringing me back to the vine. But I wanna tell you what I've just learned over the years. I'm 57 years old. I've been doing this for a little while, just walking with Jesus since I was 13, 12, 13 years old. Here's what I've learned. This is when I think about what it looks like to abide, here's what I think about. In my mind, Jesus is in this chair right here. And I just am sitting at his feet. Humble heart. Feeling like there's really no way I deserve this, to be at his feet. And yet he invites me into this throne room of grace. And he says, when I come, I, I can come confident and bold, boldly, which that blows my mind. And he says, when you come, he says, you're gonna experience mercy and grace in your greatest time of need. 
And so as I think about what it means to abide, I just, I really feel like it just means sitting at the feet of Jesus, not just for a few minutes in the morning, but all day long. And we're just talking. And we're just having an ongoing conversation. And everything I run into, I just talk to him about it. And every time I just run into a snag, we just talk. And sometimes he'll go, hey, open up the word. I already talked about this. I'm gonna show you what I already said. But I will tell you this, there are moments where I don't have words. I don't know what to say. And I just find myself just sitting next to him. And sometimes my head is just in his lap. And the tears are flowing. You're in a season of waiting, or you're in a season where you're dealing with something with your kids, and I don't care how old they are, and it's just ripping your heart out. And you just, at times, you just bury your head in the lap of Jesus. And he's like, we're friends. I'm gonna give you some inside information. This is gonna work out okay. You just stay right here. Let's abide. You just stay close. And I'm gonna keep pruning and I'm gonna keep doing things in your life because that's just how much I love you. Because I have so much for you. I have this thing called the abundant life and I want you to experience it here down earth on earth. And it's not going to be easy and there's not going to be suffering and there's not going to be pain. And listen, it, you're, gonna, you're, going to, you're going to experience suffering and it's going to be pain because we live in this world. Stay right here. Stay right here. Now, some of you, you might be thinking, you know, I don't know if I like the sound of this total dependence, total surrender, Brian, because quite honestly, I like being in charge of my own life. I actually like calling the shots. I like independence. I mean, dependence and surrender, to be really honest, sounds a little wimpy to me. Some of those fruit words that you were reading earlier, they sound a little bit wimpy to me as well. Let me ask you if you can identify with any of these words. Hateful, discouraged, stressed out, impatient, rude, insensitive, backstabbing, rough around the edges, and controlled by passions. That's not a very attractive list, is it? If you owned a business, you wouldn't hire someone that had those characteristics, would you? Well, let's look at your resume. Oh, you're hateful, you're rude. You're controlled by passions, next. You wouldn't let this person date your daughter, would you? And yet those are the words that represent the exact opposite of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, and gentleness, and and self-control. Think about those words for a moment. They're all relational by nature. That means that they make a person more attractive and more joyful to be around. They make for better marriages. They they, they make for better work relationships. They make for better parent-child relationships. And honestly, when you think about that, you really can't lose, can you? You think about abiding and what it takes, a total surrender, total dependence, and you think, you know what, I can't lose here. I can't lose what God has for me. And it all comes from what? Pursuing and hanging out and abiding and just sitting at the feet of Jesus and just living there. So tonight, what is keeping you from being totally dependent and totally surrendered to Jesus? I mean, the invitation is clear. Jesus is inviting all of us He says, draw near to me. I'll draw near to you. The invitation is to everyone. 
Let's abide. Let's be close. Let's hang. Let's roll together. Let's be tight through everything you're going through, through whatever it is. And he says, the benefits are amazing. Listen, you can't go wrong. I mean, it's, it's the beginning of what Jesus describes in John 10. 10 is the abundant life. But truly living a life that abides in Jesus begins. It begins at the moment where you say, Lord, open hands. I bury my pride. I humble my heart. Total dependence and total surrender. You're like, I don't know what's gonna happen next. You don't need to. If God's in control, you can trust him. The internal stability is yours. Even when the world around you is just shaking, because it will. But I'd rather be down here, humbly on my rear end, clinging on to Jesus than trying to figure out over here on my own. I've tried this, it doesn't work. And somehow every once in a while I still go back to that. I'm like, how long are you gonna continue to do this? Because you know where you need to be is down here. I wanna ask you to bow your head tonight. Oh, what a beautiful invitation. For some of you tonight, maybe as this band begins to sing, or even right now, maybe you have just come to the end of yourself. And if you're gonna just be honest, and I've tried to be honest with you tonight, maybe it's your pride and your self-sufficiency, maybe you're just a self-made independent person, I and mean, it's okay, but it has kept you. Maybe your strength is your weakness tonight, spiritually, and it has kept you from truly abiding in Jesus and, and experiencing all that Jesus has for you tonight. And maybe tonight for you, what needs to happen as you think about total surrender and total dependence is for you just to come up here and get on your face before God and just say, Lord, I humble my heart before you. You can either do it now, you can do it with it as this band sings. I'm watching, there's prayer folks in front of the, in front of the all these people have just been trained to, to pray with you, and I'm sure that if you would just like to have a moment by yourself, they'll give you that, that freedom. But maybe tonight, just boldly, you wanna be the one that says, I, I, I'm done with this pride thing. I'm, I'm, I'm done trying this on my own. Total dependence, total, total surrender. I want all that God has for me. I want this abundant life. And if abiding is the word, I'm in. Maybe tonight you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior and you haven't even begun the journey. Truth of the matter is you're not even connected to the vine at all. You don't know the vine dresser. You're not even a branch. You're just, to be honest, the Bible would call you just a weed growing off on the side. You, you don't know God as your personal Savior. You've never received forgiveness in your life. You don't know Jesus, but Jesus is extending an invitation to you through the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to put your faith and your trust in him alone, to become part of his family, for things to be made right between you and God. And if that's where you are tonight, I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord, at this very moment, I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. I come before you with a humble heart, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And tonight, I put all of my faith and all of my trust in Jesus Christ alone. 
to be my savior. I ask him into my life. I could never do this on my own. And so what Jesus did for me is enough. So Jesus, you're the son of God, the savior of the world. I put all my faith in you. If that's where you, if that's what you're praying at this very moment, would you slip your hand up all over this auditorium? Would you just raise your hand up and say, that's what I'm praying tonight. That's what I'm praying tonight. Amen. Father, would you move in this place in a powerful way right now as we sing? I pray that there will not be one ounce of pride that will keep us from making the move that you're calling us to make. If you want us to come and get on our faces before you, Lord, in total dependence and total surrender, if that's the move you want us to make, may we just, Lord, die to our pride, die to whatever's stopping us at this very moment, and may we walk out of here different people tonight. I thank you that we don't have to walk through this world by ourselves, Lord. We have everything that we need in Christ. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.